Apple presents events at the Apple Store. Let's take a look at the trailer for How to Make Money Selling Drugs. Are you unemployed or stuck in a dead-end job? Are you homeless or living in a bad neighborhood? If the American dream broke its promise to you, don't worry, we have an answer. I'm gonna give you three and a half grand. You know what to do with this? Because if you know what to do with it, you're gonna be all right. Welcome to the game. Our experts are gonna give you everything you need. It's very easy to make a lot of money with cocaine. You can make $1,000 in an hour. Money can make on the corners real good. You can make a million dollars in a week. And I'm like, yeah! Masters of the trade are going to reveal to you their secrets on how to get paid in this exciting $400 billion global industry. I wanted to make money to go live. The guys hanging on the street corner, they have girls, they have cars, they have money. I'm in. I had skills, the skills to sit on a wall and make $8,000 a day. We met it up in the Bering Sea, repackaged it all in wet lock fish boxes, put it all on the truck, smooth as silk. Pretty much every day I could do a million dollars. There was days that I would go to two and three million dollars. There's one more way to make money in the game. All you need is a drug war. You got a gun, shoot! United States of America, the land of the free, leads the world in the incarceration of our people. I just think people don't understand. They just hear tough on drugs and they go, yeah. But they don't understand what it means. It's about freedom. We really got to grab hold of that. Either we have the right to do what we want to do as long as we aren't hurting someone else, or we're not living in a free country. DEA don't want the drug problem to stop. District attorneys don't want the drug problem to stop. Prisons don't want the drug problem to stop. Whether you want to make a few extra bucks or make billions, this training guide will show you how to do it. You want to know how to make money selling drugs? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome this evening's guest moderator, Allison Wilmore from IndieWire, and tonight's guests, Adrian Grenier and Matthew Cook. Hi, guys. Thanks for joining us. Now, uh, How to Make Money Selling Drugs is a film about the drug in like trade from bottom to top. It's about the cost of the war on drugs. But it's also got a really darkly satirical premise. And I was wondering if you guys could start off by telling me about making a movie that takes the form of an instructional infomercial, at least at the beginning. Um, I'll take this one. Uh, Adrian and I have made a couple documentaries together and have had kind of a long-standing joke about what we call the spanking documentary, which is the documentary that basically spanks you for 90 minutes and makes us feel horrible about ourselves, our inability to change whatever the circumstances are that we agree with, and is there another kind of way to do that? And um, how to make money selling drugs was an idea that came up with a long time ago, and uh, it just had that kind of irreverence and direct to the language that appealed to both of us. Yeah, and I mean, <clears throat> the truth is uh, mainstream media and, and entertainment um, ca capitalize on sort of the glorification of the, the drug life anyway. So, you know, why not speak the language and get people in the, in the seats and entertain them while giving them a little bit more uh, depth of understanding of what's really going on? I think the, the final aspect of that is just it's hard to 
get through the wall of marketing um, that surrounds us all the time, asking us to kind of buy products or seek out entertainment. And certainly news today, I don't know if I would even call it news. It's like a barrage of sort of a mixture of gossip and nonsense. And to get real information to audiences such as yourselves, I think we need to be innovative. I know that the film premiered at Toronto and you just had a screening last night here. I'm wondering if in your experiences screening the film, anyone's ever kind of missed like that satirical edge and said like, why are you telling people how to, how to sell drugs? Well, you know, what's funny is that it's a documentary. So people, they assume or they require that it be, you know, a educational snooze fest. Uh, and I don't understand, you know, it, if it was just a film, if it was a fictional film, a narrative film, people wouldn't have the same, they wouldn't hold it to the same standards. But because it's a documentary, it can't be fun and exciting and interesting and fast-paced and, you know, we, we can't smile and enjoy ourselves while, ex I mean, and, and the truth is there's a lot of irony to the, the war on drugs, uh, the war on drugs, because <clears throat> it is an exciting lifestyle and, and Susan Sarandon said it, uh, well, not in this clip, but in the movie, you know, drugs can be fun. So if, in, in order for us to have an honest, candid conversation about the war on drugs, we have to be realistic about, you know, the pros and the cons. Now, uh, Matthew, this is your directorial debut. What was it about this subject in particular that you wanted to explore in your first film as a director? I mean, I think the film speaks for itself. There was certainly an intention to try to bring in narrative fiction filmmaking aspects to the story to make it exciting for an audience that normally wouldn't see documentaries as we've talked about. Um, I'd had the honor of working with Amy Berg on a, a documentary called Deliver Us From Evil uh, that I edited and produced and then the honor of working with Adrian as producer and, and a couple of other roles for Teenage Paparazzo. And Adrian and I had been talking about doing how to make money selling drugs for quite a while. So after we did Teenage Paparazzo, we thought it'd be fun to do that one, to do How to Make Money Selling Drugs, and also just that the timing of it seemed to be getting better and better uh, from the standpoint that the war on drugs is getting worse and worse, and um, Americans seem to be at a tipping point where there really is kind of a movement at this time to not only legalize marijuana, but really call into question this entire drug war. And Adrian, um, I'm sure everyone here is familiar with your work as an actor, but you've also produced several documentaries. Uh, you directed one yourself. What was it about this topic that was of interest to you as a producer? When I first met Matthew, um, I guess it was about eight, eight nine years ago, uh, I went to hang out at his house, and they ha he had an idea board, and on the idea board it was a card that said, How to Make Money Selling Drugs, a printout. And out of all the other ideas, which were all really great and all, but you know, out Thank of you. all of them, that's the one that caught my eye. And I said, "What's what's that?" And you know, so I think it just was a testament to, you know, the the power of, of the title and sort of the provocative nature of the the way that he wanted to tell the story. So, um, you know, I was of course excited just by the title. I was like, "Yeah, I'll help you in, in any way in, in any way that you need me." Um, why don't we take another look at, look at another clip in the film? Curtis Jackson, otherwise known as 50 Cent, had to learn quick. My mom hustled to provide for me financially. 
and her friends were all the people that were selling drugs as a lifestyle. Curtis was raised without a father, and his mother was murdered when he was eight years old. My mom was all I had. So when I lost her, I lost everything that was pretty much good in my life. Her old friends bought me things. Then they got tired of just buying me things. They gave me an eight ball of cocaine. And they told me, if anybody bothers you, you know, you tell them you got it for months. And you'll be all right in the, in the neighborhood. I was about 12 years old when that happened. So tell me about getting 50 Cent as an interviewer, interviewee. He's kind of an amazing interview. Yeah, we were very lucky that uh, people like 50 uh, were willing to come and, and open up and be extremely candid and honest about their experiences. Um, it, you know, really one thing that this film is doing so far is building a, a coalition of, of willing pr participants to come out and speak uh, about how they're affected or, or the roles that they've played um, on either side of the, of the war on drugs. We had unprecedented uh, access to the DEA as well. And I think it's because people are fed up uh, with the fear and, and um, the unwillingness to really speak out. So, uh, you know, it's, it really does, requ it, you know, requires uh, guys like 50 to, to inspire us all to, to open up. And you also have interviews with um, some former drug dealers and, uh, and higher up on the chain. Uh, one current drug dealer and at least one guy who doesn't seem that set on his retirement entirely. Um, how did you find these subjects? That was so easy. Uh, I mean, it really couldn't have been easier. I don't know where to start. I mean, every single person that was either on the crew or knew about the project, we could literally just strike up a conversation and someone was gonna know somebody. And it was that simple. Um, you know, a couple of the, the larger um, subjects were found through, you know, Adrian and I discussing what uh, you know, popular artist or entertainer might, who was gonna be really relevant to the film and topic who we could uh, and should go after. Um, there's an absolutely incredible story about a, a gentleman named Brian O'Day, who was one of the largest marijuana smugglers in the history of, of the world. Finding the majority of the drug dealers and stories was too easy. I mean, everybody uh, either knows somebody or knows somebody who knows somebody who's been a dealer, who's bought from a dealer, who's got a drug problem. Um, and you, a lot of the film is about class and how the, the war on drugs kind of particularly affects uh, poor people. But you have a variety of different people involved in the drug trade, including someone operating out of Beverly Hills. Like, how important was it to kind of get that gradient of experience when you guys were approaching this? Well, I think if people knew the facts, they would be horrified to find out who is getting imprisoned for drugs. It's minorities and poor people, and that does not reflect who is doing drugs or who is selling the drugs. The statistics are so um, horrific and nightmarish that I can't imagine that this country would continue to wage a war on drugs knowing those basic facts. Now, do you see this as an activist documentary? There's definitely a clear message and a direction at the end. No. 
Yes, of course. I mean, I think that that's the fun of doing a piece that's irreverent and has a title like How to Make Money Selling Drugs. And usually when people ask me the question, uh, the answer is no, of course I'm not. I'm not trying to teach people how to make money selling drugs. We're just reflecting the lessons that are taught by the black market that's created by this war on drugs. That's all we're doing. Yeah, you, I mean, you really can't teach what people don't already know. It's a booming industry. People know how to make money and they're making it. Lots of it. The, the problem is the, the, the policies are just driving up the price um, for criminals and it's not doing anything to, to uh, end poverty and help people who, who really need help uh, you know, with addiction and drug abuse. Um, what would you hope for people? You know, as you mentioned, there's there's been legislation lately. That it seems like there's more of an actual, tangible conversation about policy change. Like, what would you hope for people seeing this film to maybe take from it to kind of go out and do in terms of action? Um, I mean, I think right off the bat, the main thing is to divorce the idea that the government needs to legislate morality and legislate morality using a police force. That's just simply, uh, it's an oxymoron in, in ideology. It's, not, it's never gonna work, and it's gonna hurt people more than it helps them. Um, when dealing with addiction and drug abuse, I think the worst thing to do with essentially the weakest members of our society, as Brian likes to say and put so eloquently, the worst thing that we can do for them is hold the hammer of justice over their heads as if that's something that's going to be uh, beneficial. It's, it is um, the opposite of being caring and compassionate to use a SWAT team approach for what is essentially a medical problem. Um, I'm gonna open things up for questions in a second, but I was curious, you have interviews with you know, people who are involved in the drug trade, you have interviews with Susan Sarandon. Uh, was there ever an interview that was particularly surprising to you or that kind of uncovered something that you didn't expect? Okay, uh, I think what was most interesting to me, and I'm not gonna say who it was, but there were certain law enforcement individuals that I, I felt like I was observing um, a really interesting phenomenon of a, of a psychological struggle to really justify this drug war that they were waging because the results of it are so horrible that I think that lie has to be believed that if I can just hunt down and arrest every drug dealer that's around and everyone who's doing drugs, then my son or my daughter is gonna be safe. But what they're missing and what they're in such a great denial about is that person selling or doing drugs is also somebody's son or daughter too. And as long as we continue to fight this war as if it's a war, we're gonna to continue to perpetuate this same violent black market. And I think that's something that's intuitively known by some of the law enforcement that I spoke to who are still active duty. And so that was, that was kind of shocking to me because in that sense, those interviews were more almost scary to conduct than the ones I did with active drug dealers who were more open and upfront and more psychologically in terms with what they were doing. I mean, it's not, it's sort of a generalization, but that was something that was striking to me. All right, do we have uh, questions from the audience? I was curious if you included anything on the infamous Silk Road and how people purchase drugs with Bitcoins online and how they safely get 
conduited through the U.S. mail and all that stuff. Is any of that on there? Did I just inform oh, yeah, you no, of something you, new? No, I, I, I know about this, uh, the dark... Silk Road, the, the deep the, web. Yeah, the dark web. Um, no, we didn't, um, but that sequel? Sequel. Okay. Part one and a half. Okay, great. <laughs> Thank you. Another question? Um, I know y'all did like interviews with the DEA. Did y'all get anybody that's like hoping to get their drugs in the country or just the ones that's locking everybody up? Yeah, we, we talked to we talked to everybody on the ladder, behind the ladder, underneath the ladder, on the roof and underground. We talked to the whole the whole gamut. You'll have to see the movie to find out. Um, my name's Nicolette. What would you say was the biggest challenge that you had to overcome, whether it was the cast or crew, if they were hesitant, or just the way that you like captured a shot? Um, I think the most challenging thing, honestly, was the editing. You know, there were a lot of stories that that we found a lot of incredible people, really interesting people. There's this sociologist nam named Sudhir Venkatesh who wrote a book called Gang Leader for a Day. I highly recommend it. None of his story is in the film at all. Um, so this is just a, a plug for his book, but his interview was incredible. Um, that was the toughest part. It was not only challenging figuring out whose stories to tell to represent what aspect of the war on drugs, but also just to find the tone was, was not easy. You know, there were some early cuts and Adrian and I are looking at each other going, what are we doing? Like, this is a, this is a bad move. You know, career-wise, not, not to mention, you know, as an advocacy piece, trying to tell a story that we really care deeply about. So, that'd be my answer. Yeah, I mean, uh, for, for me, you know, Matthew is a, an extremely compassionate person, very sensitive, and I call him emotional Matthew. And, you know... Shut up. <laughs> Um, you know, he, he gets very swept up in these stories, the tragic, the tragic realities of, of people every day who are victims of the war on drugs. And, you know, it was, it was difficult to stay on message sometimes. You know, the title of the film, uh, you know, uh, offers a certain experience and uh, to stay on that and, 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 and to balance the heaviness with the, with the lightness as well. Uh, I'm an up-and-coming actor. I spent seven years in the United States Army to pay for acting school. Um, we have the same problem uh, dealing with drugs inside of the military. Um, we lost a lot of people while we were overseas fighting. And I love that you brought the fact that uh, this war on drugs is, is a war. I think we lose more people in that war every day than when I was fighting overseas. And uh, I love that you brought it to, uh, you brought famous faces to, to basically put the light on this, this big problem that we have in our own country right now. Because the gang wars, we do lose a lot of people, you know, just trying to provide for their families, for their friends, um, their loved ones. And like he said, putting away people for no reason. So get around to my question is, uh, did you talk to anybody who was in the service when you were doing this documentary uh, because we have the same exact issues, so. I, I thank you for saying everything that you just did. 
Um, there was a lot there to speak to. No, that's great. I mean, that, that speaks to the complexity of the issue and the challenge in trying to wrap one's mind and heart around it. Um, in the way that you asked the question, there was nobody who was in the service. At the same time, respecting what you, what you see, all the people in the film are on the front lines of the drug war. Okay, so every member of law enforcement who goes down on the ground and knocks in somebody's door using military equipment, some of which is donated by the Pentagon, taking essentially military action inside our neighborhoods, and sometimes you know, busting through the door with the wrong address and taking out the wrong person, and I mean killing them. You know, it's absolutely a war. So although we didn't talk to service people, that, that we know that you're dealing with the same thing, or that you've dealt with the same thing there. It encompasses every aspect of, of everybody's life in this country and in the world. The U.S. is the number one consumer of illegal drugs on the planet, and we drive the policy for how we're handling that across the world. Hi, how are you? Um, I just had a question. For those of us who missed the screening for this film at Tribeca Film Festival, is there going to be a national release of this film, and in what cities will this be just distributed to? Yeah, it's um, June 18th on VOD, and then the week after, it'll be getting a limited theatrical release. Do you know the cities yet? Hold on. Let me call somebody. Oh yeah, we got, okay, so we have um, NY Mist. We have New York, June 28th. We have Los Angeles, June 28th. Seattle, Denver, Atlanta, Portland, Miami, and Columbus, and we're still finding new theaters. But it'll be available on VOD and iTunes, et cetera, all at the same time. Hi, um, did you guys touch upon the, the gun trade as well? Because the two you know, are just, inexplicably linked going round and round. So did you guys get into that? Because I know that's a whole other documentary into itself. Uh, just touched on it in the same way that you just mentioned it, but it's something under strong consideration to do a whole piece about the gun trade. It's also a complex and, and deep issue. And thank you for bringing that up. Other questions? Um, I haven't seen the whole film yet, but along the lines of the distribution, do you plan on bringing this into schools and using it as an educational tool? And if that is the case, um, have you come up with programming for how to deal with students in terms of this? Will they let us in the schools? <laughs> I think I hope Variety so. said, don't let this movie near schools. And that's a direct quote. I mean, I. I you know, my approach to education is about, you know, absolute candor. You know, kids, kids are influenced um, outside of our schools and outside of the purview of our parents by pop culture and by gang leaders and by, you know, they, they know all the information. They have, we're not telling them anything that they don't already know. So, uh, you know, I would have no problem showing this to my kids. How do you gain the trust of your subject with cameras and illegal drugs around? Because I would be paranoid as a cinematographer, uh, you know, that they would think that I'm not 
going to do it in the way that they see fit. Well, I think part of it is just establishing, you have to establish rapport and trust. And that just comes through having really candid conversations about what the intention is of the project that we were doing and spending time with each interviewee. I mean, there are a couple hundred hours, you know, at the end of the day that this documentary was, was uh, you know, the 90 minutes that we have at the end came from like, you know, a couple hundred hours of footage of really spending time with people and getting to know them and getting to know their stories and finding what those essential pieces are that are gonna communicate the best way we know how to you guys. Yeah, and I, and I completely empathize you know, b being somebody in the public eye, also having my own anxieties about stepping out and speaking on this and talking about my own personal sort of, you know, experiences with addiction, not personally, but within my family. And, you know, the, and also representing this, this, uh, this topic on, on some level because the war on drugs has done such a great job to make us all f so afraid to talk about it that you know I am as well and so you know it's it's something that I you know I encourage everybody here to to join us through this film and start that conversation and not be afraid all right um, well thank you very much can I have a round of applause hey, thank you everybody join me in thanking our panel for being here today and thank you guys for being such a great audience thanks you guys